Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Leanne Bach with M Realty. Keep your finger on the pulse of Portland's hot real estate market. Call Leanne for unparalleled customer service and the highest level of marketing available. Make sure your position in the marketplace doesn't leave money on the table by visiting leannebach.com or call Leanne direct at 503-349-7890. And by Chew Dining Club. Chew gives you rewards and intel from Portland's best restaurants. Just download the app right now and check in at participating establishments. Get the rewards you want, like free pizzas, drinks, extended happy hour deals, and more. Plus exclusive information about fun food events and invites too. Chew. to another edition of Right at the Fork. It's Portland's food theme podcast. I'm Court Johnson, along with Chris Angelus. Welcome, uh, welcome everyone, one and all. Yes, and and even beyond that. Yeah, we'll go right. We'll go right to extraterrestrials. There we go. Sure, though that kind of freaks me out a little bit, and, and something <laughs> we have to be. My wife. And this is something I've probably not Speaking shared. Speaking of extraterrestrials. Well, no, she she she's a believer, Chris. My uh, wife is totally a believer. Okay, then yeah. she wouldn't have a problem with my just saying that. No, I but think. well, she's she basically believes if you talk about it, it's bound to happen. So one of us in the studios is going to be abducted. Between. I'm ca- I'm a little bit of a believer. You're too. Really? I can't, wow. Okay. I can't imagine. I don't. I don't know that we're going to see anybody out there tomorrow. Right. But I can't imagine that we're the only beings in this okay. uh, universe. All right. I I believe that uh, I can even go beyond that. But I don't think people are tuning into this podcast to hear that theory. Very nice. So Chris is a believer, and I'm a believer, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook as well as on Twitter, Food Podcast PDX on Twitter as well as Instagram, and then of course we'd like to invite you to follow us on our. Uh, personal pages. Chris, you're a Portland food ADV. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it. That is a mix of business and personal and pleasure. It's it's a total mix of it. Yes, exactly. So f- follow Chris there, and then you can follow me at The Court Johnson. Know you in court at The Court Johnson on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Excited for today's guest. In fact, today we'll, we'll talk about why today's guests are special, but our first guest, Janice, uh, this is my first opportunity to meet her, and man, it was an enjoyable conversation. Well, now you know I've been wanting to have her on the podcast yeah. for two years, and we've been trying for two years. Two years ago, she really didn't have interest, and I actually was surprised when we got a yes yeah. not long ago for Janice Martin from Tanuki mm-hmm. to come join us on the podcast. Yeah, a v- very interesting uh, concept of, of what she's doing, and uh, like the, the description. I I haven't been to Tanuki, yeah, and so, and, and it, 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 I would probably, and she talks about it, be the person who might walk in and be like, mm, okay, I think I'm going to leave now. No, you won't. Na- no, <laughs> no, you know it. Maybe expect. I'm with you. That's where the that's where the the problem comes in is when people don't know what to expect, right? And that's you know, and then they're a little. It's a different experience. Mm-hmm. So, and she covers that in the podcast, so we don't need to talk about that too much but i did want to just let people know since you know you didn't know janice before yeah and a few other people don't and many people haven't been to tanuki but um interesting to listen to janice this morning 
Uh, she comes to Portland with uh, certainly not a Portland liberal bent, and she talks about that as well. She's from Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, she dropped out of school very young and started moving around the country to places like Ohio, New Mexico, Chicago, and even landed, not in this country, in uh, New Zealand mm. to cook for a while. She's, she at, she'll talk about how she got to meet Charlie Trotter and cooked at his restaurant, which I think is some shows some interesting, uh, no pun intended, chops yeah. uh, for her cooking talents. Um, but she moved here after being in California, and uh, I didn't know this. She was uh, one uh, instrumental in starting Cell Gris, which was one of my first finds in Portland where Daniel Mondock was oh, yeah. uh, long ago over on Hawthorne, and uh, then moved on from there and worked also at Pac Pac. Um, and then from Pak Pak to Tanuki over on 21st, moving over to Montevilla uh, a few years later. And that's where you'll find her now. Yeah, so, and the, the conversation is great, but uh, we're doing something. I believe this is the first time we've done this. I'll have to check the records. It's a two-parter in the sense that uh, towards the end of our conversation with Janice, we actually have Brian Spangler show up from a Pizza Shoals. Right. So, And they're pals. They yeah. heard they were on the podcast together, and they they had to bring each other food and also decide to uh, have a little fun with each other. So this is a little bit reminiscent of, I'll go with, you know, talk. there's still talk shows out there, but mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not watching late night TV that much where they do it like this. But this is like Johnny, where the guest moves over on, right. the, on the sofa, and they're still there to comment yep. here and there. So jo- Johnny Carson, by the way, for those of you who don't... No. <laughs> <laughs> Look him up. You can Google him. Yeah. So, so we'll start with Janice, and then it's a, a reason to come back to get the full Janice interview. You got to join us next week when we talk to Brian and get the full Brian interview too. So. Awkward. I'm, you, you'd be surprised to know how shy I am. <laughs> um, face to face, you are, right? Because I, I follow you on Facebook, mm-hmm. and the last thing I would say is that you are shy. You are shy. Well, you know, there's a lot of misdirection there. It's kind of a, uh, kind of a verbal sleight of hand. Uh, one of the best ways to keep people from a, keep people at distance is to let them think they know you by throwing a bunch of stuff out there, and they go, "Oh, she's sharing all these things." I'm like, "Yep, you just go with that." <laughs> so and that, <laughs> yeah. So that begs the question, then, why do you want to keep people at a distance? Why do you want them to go away? Because I don't want them to go away. I I, I want them to buy my drinks and give me money. (laughs) But not everybody, (laughs) right? You only want certain people to buy your drinks and give you money. You know, I I, I would say it's not so much only certain people. It's that um, Tanuki is... It's kind of meant as a whole experience. It's 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 a thing. It's it, it was meant first and foremost as a sake shop. It's really about the sake. That's what Tanuki was always supposed to be about, was sake culture and also J-punk culture. Uh, hence the extreme Japanese exploitation uh, videos and the J-punk girl groups and all that. That's what it was really meant to be about. And uh, Oregon requires food. And... Uh, so you have to have food to serve alcohol. So they require food. My morality requires that I serve the best food I can under my circumstance. Hence, we end up turning into this foodie thing that was kind of never intended to be. <laughs> right. And But yeah, I was just going to say, you yeah. do it so well. I mean, you're on many lists, Tanuki. And, and I think this is it's a conundrum for you. 
Because you don't want to be on the food list. <laughs> I, I, I do my damnedest to stay off of <laughs> Exactly. So it's, uh, it's tough for you to do. And some of my experiences with Tanuki, I first visited you when you were over on 21st. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then a couple of times, and it was not easy for me to get to that end of town, I came to visit you and there were signs up like, that pretty much, fuck you, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and they were either about, you know, if you have kids, you're not welcome here. If you're, um, what are some of the better signs you've put up to, to say why you're not open at a particular time or what, what the directives for people <laughs> that they should follow? Well, you know, I mean, the, the original, the big one that we were iconic for that's all over the internet is, is the, uh, the A-frame, the chalkboard that says no sushi, no kids. And that one goes back to, I mean, the no kids is the law. We are 21 plus. That is our, our OLCC mm-hmm. classification. So, I mean, it's just a funny way of pointing out the OLCC sign on the door that everyone ignores. The no sushi, no kids thing happened because when we, uh, when we first started, uh, we actually uh, got all our business stuff together in 2007, but with certain delays in permitting and licenses and all that, we didn't open until early 2008. Um, but Portland was a very different food scene then. And there was a lot less sophistication. They didn't have the food blogs. There wasn't the culture. And so there was this situation where someone would see the Japanese symbol on the door and come in and actually be quite angry that we didn't have sushi. And probably give you a negative Yelp review for not having what they expected. Yeah, I mean, there was that. And, you know, Yelp can fuck itself. So I don't really care about those so much. Occasionally I'll go on and antagonize if someone, you know, personally insults me or someone I work for says something stupid, but like overall, what? do you have some gems? I, I didn't. Say, you mentioned you texted me the other day that someone uh, threw up on you. <laughs> that was at the door. Yeah, someone was too drunk to come in, and uh, <laughs> so while I was trying to stop them at the door from coming in because they were not going to be permitted to come in, uh, but then he started throwing up, and we had 15 people at the door waiting to get in, mm. waiting to be carted and get in. The place was packed. People are on the waiting list. This dude's on the door, and he starts just ah, th- throwing up. And it's like splattering on me, and I'm like, well, I have to let him run through to the bathroom now. Otherwise, I'm going to have 15 people covered in this dude's vomit in my doorway. <laughs> so he was able to hold it and get there? I, you know, yeah. I could never... <laughs> come see, come saw on that one. <laughs> Man, when I, when I start, I when I was a kid, or younger, I shouldn't say a kid, but yeah, a kid, by these standards I, if i started it was all over i actually yeah. hit a cop car once i did five walls and one vomit once <laughs> wow yeah are you was... a do, do you when you see uh, not that this not that we're this kind of a podcast but if, <laughs> if you see somebody else vomiting are you inclined to no that's not what did it it was oh, okay. usually usually alcohol Didn't okay hold my, well. that's why i'm not much of a drinker now mm-hmm. i've spent so much time wrapped around toilet seats in college and mm. and doing really stupid things that I feel like I, I got through it and I'm not going to go there again yeah. and I don't like that feeling. But you you don't mind that feeling. You know, I'm not, I'm not a puker, so I, I do what I want. I, I, I'm i told I hold it well, you know. Um, so <laughs> so when, I, when I saw this morning that you were going to down a couple before you came on the podcast, was that so, were you just joking or you <laughs> have you had a couple of drinks already today? I, I had a little gin. There you go. I don't know if we've had any any guest cop to that. I haven't had I haven't asked anybody. Right. So probably it's happened. I mean, right. I've been awake since three, so technically I'm having my after work. I see. I say that all the time. I do. I do a morning show, and so right now it's like it's like afternoon, 
late afternoon almost for me. So there's no. There, it's all about what time you wake up. I've only been up for a couple of hours. Right. So you've got right, some. So. You got some hours to wait. Yeah. So I yeah I'll I'll yeah. drink a little later. Yeah, it's kind of a tanuki gonna... thing. I'm I'm always doing something. I I sleep very seldom, so I'm up all night, you know, sketching or doing like I uh, do bone carving and stuff like that. So I'm I'm always awake and always doing things. So I'm like, eh, I got two hours. Well, it's you know, it's four o'clock to me. It's happy hour. And <laughs> happy hour at four a.m. And it, you know, it's it's my voice is a lot better when I've had a couple gins. <laughs> I think your voice is great. Um, so I wanted to, ask, first of all, I really thank you for, we really thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, I, I, I was actually surprised when you said you would, and you worked very hard to get here. The first, the first time we had you scheduled, we had a little malfunction in the studio, so and oh, yeah. you, you were moving, <laughs> and we couldn't schedule it till now. So um, thank you for coming. I was curious as to what, what an, what why you made the decision to come on the podcast is really not your kind of thing, as you said. Oh, well, you know, it, it really sounded like it was kind of the forum that uh, would actually get across what I wanted to get across. You know, um, you kind of, with your focus less on exactly the food and more of kind of the spirit behind the food, behind service, that tends to be what, what I'm into. Um, to me, what you do, are it's just objects. You know, whether you paint a fence, you can paint it really well. If you are a janitor, you can do that really well. To me, the food um, is something that I can serve really well um, if I try to and want to, and I want to do the best I can with it. But it's really just a tool for conveying what I want to convey, which is um, a certain spirit of hospitality and a certain culture, which is the J-Punk culture. And what, you know what, if you... If I didn't hadn't been to Tanuki and experienced that, what exactly is the J Punk culture, and what what do you love about it so much that you wanted to make it part of the experience? Well, you know, like um, like every other failed musician, I I opened a bar. I just uh, I just managed to fail as a musician and then not fail as, as a bar owner as well. Mine actually lasted, so there's that. But um, you know, the, the musicianship, uh, you know, keeping in the loop of that, you know, music and the kind of culture that comes around that, and you know, exploitation films, are always really tied in to the kind of music because there's an entirety to that. Like, I mean, when you think of, uh, and he's not, you know, J-punk or exploitation, but. Um, because he rips off so heavily from Japanese exploitation. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is a great example. The music is always really iconic to it. Um, so you have the exploitation movies. I play the J-punk Japanese and Korean girl bands and stuff. And that's really the vibe that I like. You know, dark, dingy, really intimate, small, not looking to big, get big crowds in there, but just, you know, it's it's a chance kind of to step outside of time in Portland. It's It's really its own thing. And there's been since we opened some places that kind of went a little further into that aesthetic that we use. Um, like maybe where? being a little more up, rough around the edges. So where are some places that you go to get that experience in Portland? Well, I just or you don't want to talk about them. You <laughs> well, I, I, no, no. I mean, I no one, no one else, no does one what, else does what we yeah, do. Just, but I, I but I mean, like um, this. I think things got kind of grungier as we did it. Um, there used to be, I think, a greater divide in Portland. Um, and if people had nice food, there was a nice place. They may be kind of DIY and a little bare bones, but generally they were going for a nice experience to go with their nice food. 
Whereas we went like, no, we're just going to be full on skanky J-punk, but we're still going to serve the best food we can do with what we have to work with. And I think things mellowed out a little. I think especially given that foodie culture has boomed so much in Portland, you find places are able to put a little bit more of their own personality and not have to try to cater to everyone. And I think for a long time, a lot of restaurants were worried about getting enough butts and seats that they were maybe holding back. But I, I tend to think that's coming back around because real estate's more expensive. You've got a little bit more of a Seattle vibe here in Portland mm. as we go on because you can't take the risks. You've got to put the butts in seats. So It is definitely coming back around. That circle is definitely happening. And so um, do you think that your being established will help you get through that? Um, and how is business? How, how is business for you? Uh, and, and how is all the new, all, some of the new laws that are coming into place with tipping and so forth, how's that going to affect you? You know, business is good enough that I infuriate people every night that I open the door. So it's, uh, you know, people look around, they see that there's three tables and a short bar, and I tell them it's a two-hour wait, and they have a fit, and I go, well, look around you. There's not many seats. It's, it's you know, it is what it is. And People can get very hostile. I've, I've had beers thrown on me and other such wonderful things. But, yeah, so I, I guess I'm. that's kind of where I would leave that is we're doing well enough that people hate me sometimes. Court, have you ever thrown a beer on someone because there's a weight? I have n- never thrown a beer <laughs> on anybody for any reason at all. Even if they said please? Well, I guess some, if somebody were to ask me in the future to throw a beer on them saying, please, I would, if you're asking me to throw a beer. And Good you, giving you, you in bet. game, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so, that, that, it's interesting that that, um, that that people would come in, see the lay of the land and still be upset with a, a wait time. Because to me, it's like I can walk into a place and kind of know, OK, we're going to be waiting a while or we're not going to be waiting a while. But to be told that you're being waited, waiting a while and still be upset, is that common for people to get that upset it, it is a tanuki okay. it's, it's uh I, I think there's something about the vibe of the place that um if it's not what you were hoping it kind of sets you on edge to begin with okay you know it's it's loud it's dark it's definitely i mean i don't know how anyone could expect anything decent looking at the frontage <laughs> I don't know how you could expect anything other than to maybe catch something off of one of the bar stools wow but from what they read and uh, and we often get reviewed as a restaurant, and, and uh, it's it's calmed down a little bit. But at first, we were made to sound much nicer than we were, and people would come in. I, I think it's disorienting, and and I'll grant that people are not at their best when they're disoriented. Sure. So it's unnerving. Yeah. It's disorienting. They're looking around, and then they're being told something they don't want to hear. And next thing you know, they're calling me a fucking bitch. And I'm like, well, that's not getting you a seat any faster. Right. Do they move down on the list then at that point or just oh, off the list? Oh, no, there's there's you. No, <laughs> sorry. What is it? There's what is no it? list for you anymore. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm taking you. this list. I'm putting it in my pocket and I'm walking away. Yeah. So let me ask you, is it is it a chicken in the egg thing? So if people are disoriented and and pardon me if I think if I might proffer this opinion, I kind of think you might like that. I, I think that's where you want that you want people to be a little uneasy when they come in. I don't know if I'd use the term uneasy. I mean, I don't think you're entirely off the mark. Um, I do want it to be very different from what I want there to be. 
it's kind of like the wardrobe into Narnia kind of thing. I don't want it to be what you expect from the street or what you expect from anywhere else. Um, there's everything being so subjective and life being short and all that. I, I feel like there's no way I'm going to be the best at what I do because no one is. There's always subjective opinions, someone else being better. What I can do is be the only one that does what I do. So there's kind of that disconnect from the outside and you walk in and it's a very different place and a singular place. And so I don't know that I'm trying to make someone unnerved or uncomfortable, but I do want it very clear from the beginning what they're going to get, that this is what this is what they're getting into. You know, you see the movie on the screen and if you do not want to see this girl having sex with the space spider, then now's the time to go. <laughs> if you know, if you don't want uh, shown a knife blaring into your ear, then maybe now's the time to go. Well, as a marketing person, I think that's a pretty good uh, slogan. One of those two, <laughs> and, and that would pretty much that would that would cover the cover the situation. Because yeah. I know when I asked you oh, a few years ago. You want to participate in this Portland food adventures thing, and I didn't really get it. Then. <laughs> and, and you said, "Well, I don't know necessarily know that I just want those people to be, you know, coming to my restaurant with a certain expectations." I think that's the way you put yeah. it. And I just started to get it then, and um, yeah, it's a it's a different experience. And if if people are unnerved, what was your growing up? What was your dining out? Ex- what do you remember about dining out that maybe maybe influenced? how you present your restaurant, or maybe didn't. I don't know. What, did you go out a lot as a kid? No, we didn't really go out to eat a lot. I mean, wasn't wasn't a lot of money for that. Uh, both my parents worked, but uh, my... What, uh, what kind of work did they do? Uh, my dad was a cop. My uh, mom worked at uh, one of those little family grocery stores. She worked in the uh, the butcher department of there, um, and then she worked her way up to office manager. That's but, interesting, because you've got a little bit of both of that yeah. going on, cop and the butcher department. Yeah, so, yeah. And then uh, the other side of my family were all bikers. So, you know, obviously that's going to influence one. But I think maybe with the sensibility with the J-Punk, um, you know, a lot of my uh, a lot of my family played music, not professionally, but so the musician was in there. Uh, my dad was big into martial arts and uh, sword fighting. So uh, I, I grew up uh, with that background and, of course, all the kung fu movies and everything. Um they were very conservative in a lot of ways, but um, kind of laissez-faire in others, such as, you know, what kind of entertainment I was allowed to digest when my dad was home and my mom was not. <laughs> um, was horror that? movies, <laughs> just, you know, it, it didn't matter. Me and my dad would be sitting there watching Faces of Death when I was six years old. It was great memories. <laughs> and then and nightmares. I, I have a very strong stomach. And then, so if, if you knew your mom was on her way in the door, did, was there like a, a quick scurry into... Uh... <laughs> quick, <laughs> quick hide everything. <laughs> Get rid of all traces. And my dad being a cop, you know, getting rid of evidence was... <laughs> fairly easy he thing was pretty to do. Good at it, yeah, you know, there's that. Yeah, I just remember the. Uh, I probably for the first several years of my life wasn't fully aware that my name wasn't God damn it, Janice. <laughs> it's like God damn it, Janice. Or of course, when my mother would catch my father um, letting me participate in something that seemed unusual, such as you know The Exorcist when I was six. God damn it, Rick. <laughs> And that was just, that was the childhood experience. And So that was the middle name for all of you then? Oh, God yes. Damn it. <laughs> or the, the first name. Yeah. The, uh, so I, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, your question is good. It's 
probably informs my sensibility. I I kind of do like people walking in there and it's just like, oh, God damn it, what is this? <laughs> and you like it or you don't, but I think it's also kind of a warning. I certainly don't uh, go out of my way to offend or unnerve people uh, deliberately, but I think we are so unusual that I want to make sure that they know exactly what they're getting into when they head in because I really... We're a small space. We can't serve that many people in a night. So I want the people that are there to be there because they want to be there. I don't want to take someone's money and make them unhappy. I want someone to know it's not for them the second they open that door. I think we've been very effective at that lately. And do you get any interesting comments as people turn around and say we're going somewhere else? And by the way, so where do they they end up at Country Cat, right? Or uh, what's the, there's another place right up. Oh, there's a observatory. Yes, yeah, observatory. Yeah. I always, I always have a hard time yeah. remembering that. Nice so that's, there are those options for yeah. them there that are very different than Tanuki. Oh, I, I always ask them, uh, hey, if you stay in the neighborhood, this. If you were looking for a Japanese restaurant, you should really go to Biwa. It's very nice. I'm friends with those guys. Biwa's excellent, and it is the opposite of what we are. Uh, that's a nice place to go for a Japanese dinner. If you want to incidentally eat some drinking food, um, while absorbing strange bits of culture, <laughs> um, then that's more of a Tanuki thing. And you, you have to have your regulars, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got people who must swear by Tanuki and they're there. How, many, what are, how often do some of your best regulars come? Um, every night we're open and some we're not. <laughs> really? And yes, you have, you have <laughs> got a little backdoor thing going on too. So uh, yeah. that's great for everybody. And I think a lot of your... A lot of your customer base, and maybe not, but a lot of your fans are other chefs because they respect what you do and how you do it. Yeah, we're primarily uh, an industry hangout. Every once in a while, um, I can't avoid a certain piece of press, and it comes out, and then we get bombarded by foodies again. And and then I do uh, what we call the cock block. Um, you'll, we actually have a cock block sign on our front door. Um, one time, I just straight up, I had an argument with the Oregonian, and I was like, look, we can't handle this press. We can't. And he automatically thought I was afraid I was getting a bad review. He's like, no, no, it's a really good review. I'm like, I don't care. I'd rather have a bad review. I can't take any more press. I'm working on an electric hot plate back here. This is not good for my business. They did it anyway, so I just shut for three weeks. I was like, well, you're going to look like a jerk. When this when this article comes out and we're shut down, I think it's awesome that you don't want the press, but you know you can't control that. So just much like a restaurant can't say "Don't give me a bad review," you're maybe <laughs> the only one out there saying "Don't give me just, a good review" or "Give me a review at all." Hmm. In this case, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless you're sake monthly, yeah. monthly, then you want that, right? Uh, we we've, we've done some sake articles. Uh, that that stuff is is attention because that's you know what I want to promote. I mean I know a lot of these brewers and uh, it's small craft breweries, people upholding amazing traditions, and that's really what I'd like to hold up if something gets attention. Would be you know these amazing brewers uh, that we serve. Um, uh, Miho Imara, Miho Fujita, uh, Taka is amazing. Kubo-san, and they all do great things. And that's really if I'm going to promote something, I'd rather promote from the sake level than anything else and i don't see i don't see you doing that though i have from time to time i don't get asked very much but uh we do have um generally when we do a big uh sake brewer thing um it's sold out within 
five minutes of me announcing it, it doesn't even get out to the public that we're doing it because my regulars have all the spaces available before I could even right. bother announcing it. So, Well, do you probably set them aside for them anyway and say, hey, these are yours and Pretty much. It's respond? Like, yeah, those <laughs> things never go public because, I mean, we're again, we don't have a lot of uh, seats or room. So, I think the best uh, cock block we ever did from the press was uh, back at the first space. We, uh, <laughs> I uh, put the brown paper, <laughs> covered the whole storefront, because if you remember, uh, Northwest 21st had the big windows. Mm -hmm. uh, covered the whole storefront in the uh, brown paper, like it was being remodeled, and uh, put up a sign, coming soon, fan shenanigans of Bangkok, with a sample menu. We had, uh, let's see, we had uh, Thai Ranch Reuben rolls and <laughs> sample menu and everything. Put it up there. Next thing you know, you saw blogs popping up with like, oh no, this is horrible. Some place called Shenanigans of Bangkok is going to go into the Tanuki space. <laughs> We're just going, yes, yes. So this is this is Gord, this is what happens with you folks. I don't know if you have time because you have kids. Yeah. But this is what happens when Janice has time on her hands when she wakes up at three in the morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're you're doing uh, cock blocks. You know they do say idle idle hands are the devil's playground, mm. and uh, yeah, and, I, I am here to do the devil's work, my friend. <laughs> and it, but it's very uh, you do so much. I mean, you're bartender there, you're cooking, you're serving, and you have time for that. And you're obviously at the front of the house getting thrown up on at the same time. You know, it's at, at it's, the door. it's amazing how much energy I have. I I look slothful, but you know, it's slothful. all a ruse. Slothful. <laughs> Is that is that the one, that's not the one word you would use to des describe? Well, that's not the way one word you would use to describe yourself. That's what you're saying you might appear to be. Yeah. But oh, it's definitely the one sin I'm not inclined towards. And <laughs> um, <laughs> what sins are you most inclined towards? Oh, you know, names in vain and things like that. Um, you know, drink and I have a good relationship. You know, I think a productive one. What's your favorite drink? Oh, um, a lot. Um, Last one, right? <laughs> Last one. Whiskey. Um, whiskey is definitely my thing. I, I like whiskey. Um, me and one of my friends like to uh, play Hemingway. It's like, oh, we're going to play Hemingway. You know, like little girls dressing up, except instead of putting on clothes and someone else's makeup and all that, uh, we make Hemingway daiquiris and smoke cigars and play Buck Hunter. And how does <laughs> and, and, and and that's our that's where Hemingway is is what that is. And what time of day is that? You know, the hours vary wildly. My schedule, I don't keep usual hours. Just kind of whenever it occurs. So you have some of your um from what I can see, and by the way, it's not, you know, it's just kind of on on the outside looking in on your Facebook page. And I will say, before when I originally clicked add friend you came back to me first i think first you said no you don't want to do this <laughs> and then later just said a disclaimer i'd be happy to be friends with you but you have to understand what that you know i may offend you or i don't know, even know exactly how you worded it but just I think will not may <laughs> will offend you yeah, yeah maybe that was it and i've been uh it's quite entertaining you have you have a lot of people in the food industry here who just adore you and love you and some of them more that I notice more than others, and of course that's a nature of Facebook. You obviously have relationships off of that, but like Aaron at St. Jack. What oh do, yeah. What Aaron. do you love about Aaron? And and from what I can read, you've got a certain love for his mother. 
Who? Oh, it's his mom is the most lovable thing about Aaron. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I I love my stepson, but still. <laughs> um, the running gag, the Aaron's mom thing. But I really, he's... His places are amongst my favorite places in town, which is, you know, how I know him. It's by going there. But, you know, St. Jack and Lemoule are just, you know, fantastic businesses. And, you know, he's a chef after my own heart. I, I think as the years have gone by and chefs have turned into more and more public personas, you see chefs doing less and less work. And, and Aaron is the chef in town that is still always working his line. He's always working his kitchen. And... So I, I knew right then that that was someone that I could be friends with because we speak the same language, the, you know, the language of the work. Do you think there are a lot of, there are, I, I would imagine, less chefs on the line now than there were? A lot less. And, and you know, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, sometimes, and I try not to read too much food media because uh, yeah, I like to keep a positive fucking outlook on life. But when when you see someone talking about all the hours they work and I'm like, I know you. You haven't cooked in years. <laughs> and there'll just be a picture of them, like a PR picture and like some impossibly white chef coat with like a pair of tweezers and a flower. And it, everyone can live their life the way they want to, but that doesn't speak to me. And when I see them talk about how hard they work, it it makes my eye twitch a little. And do you call them on it? That's not my place. That's, you know, I, I prefer to remain positive, so I just stay uh, good friends wait with the minute, ones I know that are doing the work. I have to call you on that. You prefer to remain positive. Yeah. So. Uh, positive with a lot of swearing. Yeah. <laughs> really fucking positive, you know, Chris. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I would have uh, cut and pasted some of your posts. They don't seem, and I'm not, and I, I'm not trying to be combative here. I'm just trying, they don't seem real positive to me all the time. Like, they're usually... You know, a certain customer has treated you a certain way, and I can't. You can't say that the what you're saying about them is positive. That you want to, I, I can't. I'm not going to try to oh, yeah. quote you. No, I, I think in some way, I, I think if you knew how hard I was laughing when I was typing those things, that they actually are. I mean, it doesn't come through because you're not there with me relating the story. But um, the situation can be negative, but the outtake from it and the glee in retelling the story is definitely positive. You know, and you're right. And I have to take that into account because yeah. you're very humorous. You obviously put thought into what you're saying and what you're posting. And you can't possibly be serious about a lot of that <laughs> stuff, right? You know, probably the things you think I can't be serious are the and ones I right. am. <laughs> but but uh, it, I take very little seriously. Um, could you, could, can you recall some of you the customers that have pissed you off the most? Uh, over the years, uh, some of the things they've done for us. <laughs> well, let me get in my bag of the scrolls. Say, get, these yeah. they offended give it, me. Give us their names and their addresses, please. <laughs> I think one of the best stories actually was uh, it was a while ago, and it was uh, the waits were insanely long on a regular basis that time. I mean, we're talking two and a half hours by six o'clock, um, and uh, some really favorable reviews had come out that focused on the food and. I think really painted a picture of us as being upscale, you know, kind of Pacific Northwest, Nobu. And we had this couple come in that was getting really aggro uh, with my employee at the door. Obviously, they were dressed for something we were not. This woman was wearing a floor length fur coat mm. and they were getting very unhappy. And my employee calls like Janice, you got to come to the door. 
And so I go to the door and I kind of deliberately, you know, just look really scruffy when I'm there. I prefer for someone not to recognize me as the owner because I'd rather see how they'd treat me if I were just a busboy mm-hmm. or just someone working behind the bar. And she really nasty. I was like, hey, look, I'm sorry. I know this is confusing. I know this isn't what you thought it would be, but this is what we are. And there's no way you're going to be able to get on this wait list. Our wait list is completely full for as long as we're open. And she literally put her hands on me and pushed past me and looked back to her date, her companion, and said, what is she going to do if we just take this table? Because there were a couple open tables because we were calling the people to come back from the Mm. wait. Pushes me aside and, 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 and says, what is she going to do if we just take this table? And so I walked backwards ahead of her a little bit and go, well, excuse me, excuse me, ma'am. I know you weren't addressing me, but what's going to happen if you just take this table is that I'm going to light it and you on fire. And you probably would have. And besides what she didn't know is that you were cooking the food. There's a lot that could happen. <laughs> <Right>. and, <laughs> and so that, that, that evoked a gasp. And she said something about how people shouldn't let their dishwashers work the door. Oh, nice. And, and I said, well, you're going to be going now. You really want to be going now. And they, they left. But I, I, I could tell that she could tell that I would, in fact, set her and the table on fire if I had to. Yeah, well, that's a pretty offensive thing just to feel. Well, someone with a fur coat would think they were so privileged that they yeah. should have the, the table, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that's not the only one. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've had beers thrown in my face by people waiting. Not that by got me. Upset. Not by not, me. Not by <laughs> you. I'm on the record already for that. <laughs> No, no, I'd have to ask nicely so, for you to do that. Is it? Is it usually about? Sounds like it's usually about the weight, but there have to be other things that uh, that happen um, with people addressing some of your employees and so forth. Yeah, but usually when they get uh, shitty with my employees, that's usually about the weight too. But we we have a very strict policy. Um, I have the environment I want Tanuki to be. I run it on my terms, and if I can't have the environment that I want to have, I'd rather just not do it. So we are definitely a place where customers, I hate to say for lack of a better way of putting it, customers come last. I don't really like the idea of having customers. I like the idea of, that they're guests. This is my place. Um, I don't always have employees. It's often just me alone. But when we do have employees, um, they're part of it too. And the employees come first. So this is the environment we have. If you want what we have to offer and exchange your money in exchange for being here, that's great. And, you know, just get along, follow the rules, and the rules are just simply hard. there so we can do it. Yeah, exactly. They're not hard rules to follow. And by the way, I think you're very generous in saying, you know, the, the, the general MO there is how much do you want to spend and we'll cook you, we'll, we'll give you drinks and food yeah. for that amount. I mean, we definitely try to try to go with that. Um, it it really goes back to a general philosophy of of service in general, um, which is uh, really it is so easy. It's it's as easy as a choice. If someone tells you what they want and you give it to them, there's really no difficult in that. That's just choosing whether you're going to do it or not. I think the real accomplishment of service is to make people unexpectedly happy by giving them things they never knew they wanted. 
And that's really the sole purpose of Tanuki is if you want to choose something and have it given to you, there are so many places that you can do that at. If you want to come into Tanuki, what I want you to do is to be in a place that's a little bit out of your comfort zone, kick back, have a good time, enjoy the things, and let me see what I can do to make you happy. But if you want to come in here and tell me what you want, go somewhere else. I, I really see it as being the difference between, you know, you, you tell someone, hey, I like this, this sweater or this necklace or whatever, and they just go and get it for you. And that's nice. Some people would like that, and it's a, it's a nice gesture. But I think it's a very different gesture. I, I think the place it comes from is very different. If you care about someone, you know what they like, you remember something that they mentioned months ago, and you go and just out of the blue present it to them. And that's really what I prefer Tanuki to be. That's what everybody wants in life. That's the love everybody wants is for someone to pay attention to them and, mm-hmm. and do that. Um, you've got to do a lot of thinking when you're there because you're, you're really multitasking. You're the, you're the queen of multitasking, I think, right? It's rough, it's, especially as you get older. You know, the brain starts to go. I, I can't memorize as much as I used to. So it used ha- to come a lot easier than it does now. How do you... What uh, what advice would you give people, because it's a stressful thing in an environment that you have, to be a good multitasker? Like if someone wanted to try to do something like I do? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. I really have to say, if I hadn't worked at Charlie Trotter's, I would never be able to do what I'm doing. Because there, there was no such thing as impossible. Something was expected, and you made it happen. Uh, I think as far as multitasking... It takes a lot of discipline. I mean, and I I know I don't appear to be the most disciplined person in the world, but in some things I am. Um, It's, for one thing, you can't be of two minds, and I think that's why a lot of places fumble when they do tasting menus and other things, is that you can't really, um, you can't really serve two masters. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you have people who try to do something like an omakase and all that, but they also do the full a la carte and they let people make restrictions and dietary needs and all that stuff, the lack of focus means you can't really do any one thing there. So a lot of the things that people see as me having arbitrary or egotistical rules are really like, there's only one way I can do this. And everything that is put into place is put into place because I know that that's how I'll be able to do this. So there's a tight focus. I'm not trying to do things I can't do. I'm not trying to please people that I can't please with my setup. It's just simply here's what I know that I can do superlatively for you if it's what you want. And that's really where the multitasking goes, you know. I'm reasonably intelligent, I'm strong, and I'm focused. At least uh, at least for a few more years. And so. you have to have a lot of energy to do it, though. I mean, to do that day in and day out, that to me, as someone who hasn't worked in the kitchen for mm. years and years and years and years and really wasn't under the gun when I did, um, that to me is what causes me to have so much respect for the industry, for how hard people work. You're saying that people aren't working that hard. <laughs> you're the, you, if you're not there, the restaurant isn't open. People are people often think they work harder than they do. <laughs> I'll say that. Sometimes I, I hear about people thinking they work very hard. I just look at them I'm like, you don't look tired. <laughs> you look you look pretty spry to me. Don't tell me you worked hard. <laughs> so is that the determining factor? How how uh, alert someone looks, or how? 
You know, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that uh, certainly do not advocate that everyone lives their life the way I do. But my personal judgment of to me, if you worked hard, you are a human crumpled wreck in the corner wondering why you're still on this earth. That to me is a day of hard work. <laughs> and is that what you subscribe to? Is that what is that what you most respect hard work? Yeah. Yeah. Um which uh, is part of, I'd say I respect most integrity and hard work is a big part of integrity. If you have integrity, if if what you believe and your actions align, I think there's a lot of hard work that goes into that. So those are the things that mean the most to me. Um, how about friends? How do, where do they come in in your life? Uh, you know, usually they're industry people and regulars. Um, I don't have a lot of contact with people outside of... Uh, Outside of my little cave, it's it's pretty insular. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, the friends are great. And uh, I tend to be closest with people whose values align with mine. I mean, they may not feel the need to go to the extremes. I do, because everyone has their own needs and personalities. But I tend to connect strongest with people who, um, even if it's not an integrity to a thing that I I value as much as I value uh, my own purposes in life. It's it's really integrity that I'm attracted to in people, that they're internally consistent. So whether they agree with your politics or not, as long as they're consistent, that's... Yeah, and, and reasonable. You know, it's I mean, there's there's a big difference. Let's face it, this is Portland, Oregon. Not many people agree with my politics in Portland, no, Oregon. I, I want, yeah. <laughs> it, would, it, it would not be an interview with you if we didn't, at least from my standpoint, touch on that. Because we're kind of in different camps, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, you know, you, I think one of the hardest things to learn is to, especially in the political environment we have now, mm-hmm. to respect someone else and listen and and learn from them rather than um, automatically assume they're in a different camp. I, I don't like them. I genuinely, you've been so wonderfully kind to me, well, and every you. interaction that we've had. Um, Yet, politically, I know we're in different camps. And when we were talking kind of pre-interview thing and we talked about Tanuki and some things you wanted to talk about, some things you didn't, you mentioned racism in a progressive sense versus a traditional sense. And what is, what's the difference to you? Well, I mean, uh, contextually uh, in what we're doing, um, there's a lot of debate about, um, obviously, the cultural appropriation has been a big one lately. Um, that bakery that opened that had the word, word colonial in it, uh, people obsessing about whether someone's ethnicity matches up with the food that they make, all those items. And so... Uh, so that was where you're, mm-hmm. where it came into play. Yeah. You know, what, what are you doing serving Japanese food? And that question just pisses you off. You know, I, I got real tired of it um, because it, it is. It's... Um, it's not something genetically inherited. If if you have done it a lot, you know how to do it just as good as someone who hasn't done a lot that's of that ethnicity. I just think um, it's kind of a different mindset uh, that, that's come along where there used to be questions that were really impolite to ask. It used to be really impolite to ask a lot of random, very personal questions of strangers. And obviously, I don't mean here because here I am with microphones agreeing to do this. <laughs> but uh, I mean, uh, you know, people 
just walking into the bar, and it's amazing just the barrage of personal questions that you get. And well, I get tired of What are some of the of weirdest it. ones that people have asked you that are, that are offensive? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of really offensive ones. Obviously, the ones dealing with race get really problematic. And, you know, why are you or don't you feel that? And, and it's going like, you know, if you, if you don't want a white person making your Asian food, that's great. Can I have your chair for someone else that doesn't care? And... By the way, that place that I overheard you talking about that makes the best sushi, Asians don't all look the same. That's Korean-owned, and that's fine, too. <laughs> so there's just a lot of ignorance and hypocrisy around it, and it's not a, it's not a topic I'm terribly interested in. Uh, the question is not, you know, the background or ethnicity of who's making the food. It's are they making it well, and are they treating people well? And that, to me, is the only question that you ask of a business owner. Hey, Chris, right now might be a great opportunity to stop and showcase one of Right at the Fork's biggest sponsors, Leanne Bach of M Realty. Yeah, she's developed some sharp skills over her 15 years to get you the most from selling or buying your home. But what's really cool is that Leanne lives within the Portland food community and loves it. And her partner, Ryan, with whom she shares parenting of the most beautiful child, ever happens to own Aria Jin. Leanne is an avid listener of this podcast, and so if working with someone who inherently understands your needs in the industry, or you're someone who wants to access it and devour it, Leanne Bach of M Realty is your gal. We want to thank Leanne for sponsoring Right at the Fork and becoming an important part of showcasing the best we have in this great food city of Portland, Oregon. So you can visit her online. It's leannebach.com. That's Bach with an H. Or you can find her info online at rightatthefork.com. Speaking of, um, we have Brian here, your buddy. Brian oh, my God, Brangler. that poop scratch. <laughs> and, uh, Is that your nickname for him? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> we're we're going to stop. We're going to stop for just this. Actually, you and I can keep talking. Let's keep talking. And, uh, you go get that degenerate tit liquor. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, and he's, you know, he's not Italian, right? No? He's serving great pizza. I don't so, know what the fuck he is. Spangler. What Spangler, kind of name is that? I don't that? know. We'll ask him when he comes in. I bet that's not even his real name. But actually, you know, it's it's got a it's it sounds a little red, white, and blue, right? The yeah. Spang- Brian Spangler. Exactly. My God. It could be some kind of, like, cut-rate superhero. So we've never done this before where we've had two guests in the same studio, but we generally record a couple of podcasts. Right on. You guys heard that you were both going to be here together, and you were both chomping at the bit to get on each other in some way, shape, or form. Well, I think technically we were chomping at the bit to get on a stripper after this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, and that will Spangler's happen. Spangler's a should... good stripper name, too, by the way. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. Red, white, and blue. What, yeah. what, what better than a stripper named Spangler? Patriotism and dollar bills. But I'm not interested in seeing Brian strip. That's oh, no, not, no, not him. No. Oh, good Lord, no. And Brian has come armed with uh, Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Oh, Shiza, it's Chick-fil-A. Just for you, baby. Yes. How did you guys meet? What was the first meeting? Do you remember? At a Pizza Shoals. Yeah. As a customer there. I. Uh, Sundays. It was, uh, it was uh, my first birthday in Portland, and I had a black eye. That's right. Yeah. A black <laughs> black guy or black eye? <laughs> a black eye. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you get that black eye? Uh, Do you remember? 
You know, that's a bad thing if you don't remember. <laughs> no, I remember, but it's a tale of woe too long to tell. <laughs> okay, well, there's um, mistakes were made, <laughs> and they're always well. Yeah, and I, I think that one could safely say that uh, mistakes are made. That are that if there's a black guy there, there was a mistake made. I certainly won. So did, and it wasn't, <laughs> and it wasn't over where a pig was born. So <laughs> there's that. So did the pizza? Did the pizza wash away the anguish from the black eye? You know, there was no anguish. There was just kind of like, oh fuck, and you know, chicks tell me, well, you look tough, and I'm like, all right then, <laughs> tough and puffy. So how how did you guys? How did you meet in the in you know over a pizza? Because you have a lot of people coming in. Uh, I think uh, I was just wandering through the dining room, and I recognized Janice, obviously, and uh, I've been going to uh, Tanuki, and so just... Uh, oh, so you guys hadn't talked to Tanuki? No. no. I I have, um, I'm pretty face blind. I have to know someone a long time before I actually recognize them. Yeah, she's shy. <laughs> I, you know, what is Believe that? it or not, she's shy. <laughs> I'm like that now, too. Yeah. I, I, and I never used to be, but it's the second... It's the second stage of forgetting people's names and then faces, and I really that bothers me more than the names because yeah. that puts you in a position to, you know, not know that you've seen somebody. I can be really good know. at pretending to remember someone if I'm feeling like a phony bitch that day. <laughs> it is seldom detectable. I'm like, oh hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> What's your face? <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I, I even say it to guys now. It's just a guy, and they're like, oh, Janice. I'm like, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you do you. <laughs> so, Brian, this is actually, we're going to overlap, but this is this is Janice's interview. you have any questions that you that you might want to, that you've never asked Janice that we may as well as long as everybody's listening? I don't know. I think I've kind of been in the bowels of Tanuki yeah. when it's been closed. Yeah. Uh, so I, He I've fixed got, my oven. I taught her how to fix her oven. Taught her how to fish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't that think, was a I don't... good day. Whiskey and cigars <laughs> yeah. and oven fixings. And little, we had a little uh, sake as well. Yeah. I ran off to Home Depot, got some uh, some fuses, and we read the schematics and figured out how to make that thing work. Yeah. Back he, and running. Uh, he fixed the oven for me, showed me while it happened. Next couple times it happened, I could fix it myself instead of closing. So Is go. that something yeah. that would have He's... happened at Charlie Trotter's? The, um, the guy, who, the the big pizza guy, comes in and helps Charlie fix, <laughs> fix his kitchen. You know the the, the kitchen at uh, the kitchen at Charlie Trotter's was a lot more complicated equipment than uh, than a little electric pastry oven and uh, and an induction burner. <laughs> how'd you get? How did you end up in? How did you get into Charlie Trotter's? How was that process? Uh, it was it was actually kind of weird. Um, I'd read Lessons in Excellence and uh, and the other things and. Knew of him. He was uh, one of the chefs as a young cook that I really looked up to. And I was going to be in Chicago uh, for uh, a trip. And so I just wrote him a letter randomly. Um, and I'm not big on writing fangirl letter letters, but I was like, hey, I've, I've read all the books you've done and I really love your thing. I can't afford to eat at your place, but, you know, I know you guys are there all hours. If you wouldn't mind, I'd really love if you'd let me come in and take a look at your kitchen. And just sent him a, a CV so he would, like, see that's actually a cook. And, uh, yeah, I got a call back a couple days later. It's like, Chef Trotter's read your interview and your cover letter, 
and uh, he's really impressed by you and he wants you to try out for a job. We have a bunch of people flying from all over the world to try out for a job and he'd like you to do a stage. How old were you then? Um, and how much experience had you had? I was 23 and I'd been cooking nine or ten years. So were you confident years. going in there? That's got to be a little nerve-wracking. It was very strange. <laughs> I'll say that. I was like, well, it wasn't what I was going there for. But I was like, well, Charlie Trotters wants you to cook. Then you go in and you bloody well cook. So I did it. It was pretty harrowing. It was it was terrifying and uh, insanely difficult because um, he was, you know, the most high-end place in the America at the time. So even anything that I'd done that was vaguely upscale is nothing on that level. And uh, they had me there two nights. And um, everything seemed to go pretty well. Said goodbye, everything. I, uh, as soon as I left from the second night, I wrote a thank you note. And uh, the Ayn Rand stamps had just been issued that year. And uh, I knew that he was uh, big into uh, the Ayn Rand um, fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. And so I put one of those stamps on it, sent it, got a call the day he received it from his personal assistant, who said, Chef was very impressed with your thank you letter, and, and, and he would like to offer you a job. And I did find out after I moved there and started working that while he liked my cooking and everything I did and my attitude, that really what got me the job was uh, during our talking interview, we didn't talk about food at all. We talked about philosophy. And then the thank you note with the Ayn Rand stamp. That's what got me the job at Charlie Trotter's. <laughs> that, you know, I've always given real thought to the stamps that I use. And mm -hmm. right now I've got too many because I don't mail that many things out. Jimi Hendrix stamps. I've uh -huh. had them for a couple of years. And I just like that they're on there. But there's some, that's the first impression yeah. that, that people get uh, when they, not they don't open letters now. There's mostly emails. <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but... Um, very deliberate choices say a lot about a person. I mean, that, that I think goes without saying. Well, I think that's indicative of the fact that you talked before about giving something, listening and giving something to someone that they want. It's the same thing that you did to get your career going. If you yeah. hadn't chosen that stamp, we may not be here today. No, probably not. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have the skills to uh, do all the uh, banquet of fuckery that I do at Tanuki if I hadn't gone through that. But uh, Banquet of fuckery. <laughs> that's pretty much what I would consider my life to be, you know? Do you think it's always going to... What do you? Where do you see yourself in a few years? <laughs> oh, God, a few years. That's that's a long time. <laughs> Will well, I be around in a few open years? That's open-ended. A few years could be two, it could be ten, it could be twenty. But, you know, the banquet of fuckery is partially not of my making or choosing, but partially is. I mean, I like things to always be spinning a little bit out of control. I like... Uh, I like to bring order to chaos, and I like to bring chaos into order. But I think people get really comfortable and satisfied in what they're doing, and I think that comfort breeds mediocrity and stagnation. So when I find something's going well, I like to make it harder. Um, just find some way to tweak it, something to do, something that's actually going to push it, because once you're comfortable, you know you're not moving anywhere good. You're only backsliding. So... Well, I say banquet of fuckery. I, I mean it affectionately. You know, it's hard. It's Towards stressful. yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I do love myself. I Have you seen me? I'm adorable. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I mean, that's what it's really about. It's it's uh, 
if someone else can't, if you won't let someone else throw monkey wrenches into your plans, you got to do it to yourself. Otherwise, you're just at a standstill. So, Brian, what do you find most endearing about Janice? What, what you guys obviously have a, an understanding. You're going to Sassy's afterwards, <laughs> the, or so I hear. And, of course. And, I, and I've been asked to join. Does in. Kim know Titties about this? Be- uh, Kim, no. <laughs> Kim does not know about this, and Kim would ac- actually join along if uh, she wasn't uh, at home uh, entertaining children at the oh. moment. Um. I just love her honesty. I'll bring you back some glitter, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring her back some jean nate. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think her pure honesty uh, is is what I love the most about her, and of course her food. But a lot of a person's personality comes across in their work, and you can you can sense when people are being genuine or not. And you don't, you know, she doesn't pull any punches. She, what you see is what you get. All right, so there we go. That's part one of our special edition of Right at the Fork, where we just spoke with Janice Martin, and then, uh, as you heard, Brian comes in there at the end, and we'll have our conversation with Brian next week. Before we say goodbye to everybody, Chris, we got to remind everybody you've got some two, uh, that you've got some great trips to Europe coming up later on this summer shameless promotion mm-hmm. but as i always say this is a public service announcement because right. people would enjoy this yes just heard from a blogger this morning who said this would be the trip of her lifetime to spain with jose chesa from atala and chesa and 180 uh barcelona and San Sebastian with some wonderful stops in between. That's one trip. Uh, that's September 21st. And we have another one uh, to Lyon with Chef Aaron Barnett of St. Jack and La Moule. Um, and that is to Lyon and Annecy, France, and Geneva. Stopping at Paul Bocuse, one of the world's greatest restaurants as well. And we invite you to join us there. That's September 11th. You can find all that. We're court. Right at the fork.com. No. No. Find it at Son of a bitch. Well, that's all right. So mention for right at the fork. <laughs> I'll, do it. I'll do it again. No, I don't. I... I'll do it. Portlandfoodadventures.com. Yeah, that's a good spot. Mm-hmm. You can find lots there. Even my upcoming events. I think we have one to Castagna coming up, which would be, you should be signing up for as well. And Solo Club. Oh, yeah. That's been in the works for some time. Yes, that's been works for a long time. Yeah. We just sold out Paiche, and uh, and we'll have Solo Club, the opening dinner of Solo Club. Dustin Clark. Uh, so look for that at PortlandFoodAdventures.com. And thank you all for bearing with us and uh, and helping to share the podcast and, and share our events and all that good stuff. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by PortlandFoodAndDrink.com. Portland's original food and drink news and review blog brought to you by the legendary food dude now featuring the huge outdoor dining list you'll need to eat drink and enjoy the Portland summer sunshine and fresh air check it out today at portlandfoodanddrink.com right at the fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson intro music by Ariel Varinas find links to her music in the show notes section connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at food podcast PDX or on Facebook at right at the fork or online at right at the fork.com. Um...